I'm Mercedes. And I'm Tash. And you're listening to episode 193 of Chat Disney. So welcome back to another episode of the Chat Disney podcast. And we are looking into the future this week. We've spoken a lot about my recent Walt Disney World holiday on the podcast of late. And now it's time to stop dwelling on the past and to just think about those things that we have to look forward to. So that's why this week we're going to be talking all about our 2023 Disney plans. Very, very exciting. And at the end of today's episode, we're also going to be doing a review of the brand new series on Disney Plus, Zootopia Plus. But before we get into all of that, let's have a quick look at what else has been happening in the world of Disney this week. So kicking off with some rather unfortunate news that we did touch upon last week and Shanghai Disney is still closed due to high COVID cases in Shanghai and of course we will report on here as soon as the park opens again and hopefully it won't be too long. Yes, absolutely. But from one closure to one reopening, a park which hasn't been open for quite some time has finally opened its doors. I am, of course, talking about Blizzard Beach over in Walt Disney World. So Blizzard Beach has been welcoming guests once again, which is really exciting. And there are some changes to the park as well. We mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. There's lots of frozen touches to Blizzard Beach now. I mean, that's just a marriage or a match made in heaven, isn't it? Frozen and and Blizzard Beach. So you can expect to see frozen decorations decorations around the resort and there are also new treats like a new Elsa frozen snow cone treat that looks absolutely amazing but that's not the only addition to Blizzard Beach for the festive period there is a new meet and greet as well Tropical Santa yep you heard me right Santa complete with Hawaiian shirt and Bermuda shorts and a little straw hat ready for the Florida sun if your kids want to meet with Santa and that Magic Kingdom meet and greet line is just too long hey why not head over to Blizzard Beach and get a picture with Tropical Santa I think it sounds very exciting and speaking of all things Christmas, Miri's, Miri's, Mickey's Very Merry, such a tongue twister that one, Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party has begun over at the Magic Kingdom. And as we saw with Not So Scary, Very Merry, my goodness, the name of these parties, Very Merry is already selling out like you wouldn't believe. So if you are hoping to go to that party this, this festive season, please make sure you get your tickets and do not delay I delayed with not so scary and it was a big mistake so book your tickets now not sure how I feel about tropical Santa but um I'm excited to see some uh, images of, of him on social media um and some Disneyland news as well today and there is some new avatar the way of water merchandise that is now available in the park the film is due to be released on the 16th of December and I'm sure we will be talking more about that as the time approaches and they have added some new dolls to it's a small world including some wheelchair users with Disney trying to be more inclusive these days I think it's a very very good step in the right direction and from one box office smash there with Avatar The Way of Water to another. So as I'm sure lots of you are aware, Wakanda Forever was released last week. And 
Unfortunately, it's received really mixed reviews. There's a lot of um, positivity around the movie. Obviously, it's a real celebration of, of Chadwick Boseman's life from, from what I've seen. I've not actually seen the movie yet, but I've seen a few spoilers and things. And it looks like the movie really is a big celebration of his life. But in terms of kind of the reviews and things and, and you know, the people that have seen it, they're saying that actually the movie itself is not great. I've seen some critics saying that Marvel should just stay away from sequels. So I, for one, absolutely can't wait to see Wakanda Forever. I'm hoping that the next time you hear from me, hopefully in next week's episode, I will have watched it. And I will, of course, let you know my thoughts on the film and um, whether I agree with the positive or the negative reviews. But that is pretty much everything that's been happening in the world of Disney this week. So we're now going to move on to the main part of today's episode, talking all about our Disney plans for 2023. My goodness. So it seems like you've only just got back from a Disney trip and already we're talking about our plans for the next year and so on. So this is a very exciting episode. Unfortunately for me, I have nothing concrete booked in at the moment, but that's not to say that I don't have any plans for Disney trips. So I'm going to kick us straight off talking about the first trip of next year that I have planned, which is going to be in around either March or April 2023. And we are planning to take my son Theo for his first birthday. And I know a lot of people will be like, why that's going to be wasted on him. And I'm fully aware of that. I know he's not going to remember it. But for me, I will always look back on his first birthday, a very, very special time. And remember that we took him to Disneyland Paris for his first birthday. So those are our plans. As I say, I haven't booked the trip just yet, but I am constantly checking. We're going to book probably through Magic Breaks because used them multiple times before. They're very reliable. They have very good deals. But I'm just waiting to see if there is going to be any better deals than I can get for our trip than there are at the moment because there's nothing really good at the moment no dining packages or, or anything like that or no discounts so I'm just waiting a little bit but if there isn't anything and it gets to sort of the end of the year then I'm just going to go ahead and book but um yeah I'm currently debating between hotels so Mercedes you might be useful in in this instance so I'm thinking either Sequoia Lodge because I like it I've stayed there before or Newport Bay and I know that that is a better hotel and it's pointless me really thinking about what he's going to get more enjoyment out of because he's going to be one he's not really going to know. But in terms of, you know, you know my husband Benji quite well, what do you think he would prefer? Because Benji, when we've been talking about this trip, he wants to stay at the Hotel Shen because he's stayed there before. But obviously that is one of the, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's one of the more um, affordable hotels and I think we can splash out a little bit more and go for one of the more mid-range hotels. So what do you think he would prefer? Wow, I'm so excited about this. And do you know what? It's not about what your husband prefers. I think it's about what will fit you better as a family. I love this question, honestly. I had a colleague the other day say, hey, we're going to Orlando for the first time. We've only got four days. We've got two young girls. And I'm like, oh, yes, come at me. I love these predicaments and these situations. And I actually have a really strong preference on this one, Tash. So take this as you will. I kind of have two arguments. I have an argument for Sequoia Lodge. I have an argument for Newport. Bay. 
let's nip Cheyenne in the bud. The reason I'm going to say no for Hotel Cheyenne, if your budget can stretch just that little bit further, is purely because of the walk. So you're going to have a pram because your baby is going to be one. You're going to need a pram. It's not even like it's a little collapsible stroller at that age, right? It's a proper big industrial machine and you're going to be walking back and forth you're probably going to need to go back to the room I would imagine or at least you need to be prepared that you might have to and with Cheyenne you're going to have to probably get a bus if you want to get back quickly and if the weather's bad as well which at that time of year it can be quite wet I just think Cheyenne is not the right answer so let's let's dismiss your husband (laughs) immediately um which is one of my favorite things to do with my husband so there we go so we've got Sequoia Lodge and we've got Newport Bay now my gut obviously is like oh Newport Bay you've never stayed there it is a fancier hotel I believe it's a four star whereas Sequoia Lodge is a three star but remember what I always say about Disney hotels if it's a Disney four star it's basically a five star anywhere else because Disney always go that extra mile so a Disney three star a Disney four star, you're still going to get incredible, incredible service. What I'm going to say, I'm going to throw a bit of a curveball at you. Newport Bay, whilst you've not stayed there, and it's actually my favorite out of those two in terms of the theming, and it does feel a little bit more premium. It's bloody massive. It's the biggest Disney resort in Disneyland Paris. It's the largest one. And like from the Hindu, I don't know if I spoke about this um, on the podcast or not, but sometimes I'm not exaggerating when I say you can be walking 10, 15 minutes just to get to the lobby to exit. So it's not like Cheyenne and Santa Fe where the buildings are kind of far away. You're in one building. So sometimes you're literally walking along corridors like a maze just to get to the lift to go down. It's like you there aren't quick exits from your room, if that makes sense. I would recommend Sequoia Lodge. I would pay a bit extra and I'd get a golden compass room. That means not golden compass. I've met I've mixed the compass club and the golden forest and just made my own thing. I would splash out a bit more, obviously compare it to the cost of Newport Bay as well. But in terms of convenience, I think convenience is going to be your friend here with a one-year-old. Like that's what you need. You need to be comfortable and like not faffing around with walking back to the room and walking along corridors and stuff. You just want ease. I would pay a bit more, look into a golden forest room at the Sequoia Lodge. That means not only will your room be really lovely, but you'll also be right next to the main lobby. So you know that you're going to be in a really good location. You also get your own private breakfast room as well, which I feel like with a baby, that's quite nice. You're not going to be in that big buffet, like with all the noise and the smashing of plates. And like I'm making Disney hotels sound horrible, but anyway, it's like a nice little exclusive room to have breakfast, or at least I've only done the Compass Club, but I know Golden Forest is basically the same shebang, but just at Sequoia Lodge. And then also you get fast passes, which you have to pay for them now. So I feel like that's actually a really good benefit. Now, I don't know the difference in price between like Golden Forest and just a standard Newport Bay room. But actually, even if the Golden Forest is a little bit more, I still feel like for the convenience and the ease that's going to bring. Obviously, there's another option, which is just splash out completely and do Compass Club at Newport Bay. And that's always going to be my suggestion. But I I actually feel like that would be better because even if you pay a bit more to do com- uh, to do uh, Newport Bay, you might end up in a room that's like miles away. And then that's just not going to feel like a premium experience. Yeah, I think there's some very, very good points. And obviously, this is going to be my first trip and and my husband's first trip with 
a child with a child like I've not been with my nieces or anything like that so it was going to be new territory in that sense for us so yeah convenience is going to definitely be key and I think for Benji my husband he is the sort of person that does get quite he loves going to Disney and he does really enjoy it but he does have his he has his fill quite easily so I think even for him if he's like I want to go back to the room for a bit then I think Disneyland Paris is is an easy place for him to do that so yeah you make some very good points about the size of these hotels and being close to reception and breakfast and wherever things happening so I hadn't actually thought of that so that's a very good point so yeah I think I'm probably leaning more towards um, Sequoia Lodge and probably looking at the Golden Forest deal um, just for the sense of ease and, and making our trip a little bit more special as well because it is going to be Theo's first trip and our first trip with the baby and you know we're not just going for his birthday it's also to celebrate me being a year being a year being a mum for a year and Benji being a dad for a year so there's lots that we've got to celebrate on this trip so yeah okay I'm going to keep my eyes peeled obviously if, if there are any very good deals with Newport Bay then I do really want to stay there myself. So I will take that into consideration as well. But I think probably the most realistic option at the moment is probably Sequoia Lodge. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think like for me, the only pull for Newport Bay is the fact you've not stayed there. And hey, you're going to go back to Disney. Like you're going to have the opportunity to stay there one day. So I wouldn't let that phase you. I think if I was in your situation, um, yeah. I mean, hey, it's a shame that Disneyland is under renovation because I'd definitely try and convince you to stay there. Art of Marvel, I don't think I'll be able to persuade Tash on that. Absolutely not. Um, although I have to say I haven't stayed at the Art of Marvel, but I had stayed there as Hotel New York. And as a hotel, it was my favorite, but I feel like I can't comment on it because I haven't stayed at it as a Marvel hotel. So yeah, I think if I was in your situation and I was looking at that tier of hotel, I would probably, I would definitely compare the price of Golden Forest. And I, as, as I say, I think that if Golden Forest is a little bit more than standard Newport Bay, which it might be, I actually still think it might be worth it because of how much you're going to get back. And um, in terms of deals and offers, this is a message for Tash and a message for everyone listening. I could be wrong and I hope I am. I don't think we're going to see any more 2023 deals now. Um, and this is for Paris and for Walt Disney World. So the Walt Disney World 2023 offer has expired now. And the the Disneyland Paris offer, it might still be on actually for the winter, but instead of the dining, they're giving you a Disney Plus subscription, which I'll be honest, I think is such a cop out because if you're going to Disneyland, you've got Disney Plus, like, come on, who? And even to the point where um, my sister's boyfriend, shout out to Dom, booked her a surprise holiday and we all share a Disney Plus account that I pay for. So he messaged me like, oh, hey, I got this account, like... Do you, like shall I send it I was like there's no point sending it to me like I, I paid for it already and like it is for new subscribers so he's actually just gone and set up his own Disney plus now which is a good thing right because they've now got two accounts instead of one and maybe that's what Disney are doing maybe they're trying to crack down on people sharing own uh, usership or I, I don't know what their angle is but it's a terrible offer in my opinion yeah I have seen this and it just feels like such a cop-out like I feel like if you were if you were on the fence or if you were trying to convince someone, so say like your partner to go on a Disney trip and you could be like, hey, it's going to be this much money, but we're going to get a dining package. Then I think that's an easy sell. But saying, oh, we'll get a Disney Plus subscription. Like, no, everyone has one of those anyway. Like you say, if you are a Disney fan. So I just think it's, I think it's Disney trying to show that they're doing something, but it's like the smallest thing that they can offer. 
Yeah, I think so too. And like, I do think that it's smart in terms of marketing to really solidify the the synergy between Disney streaming and Disney parks. Like it's the same audience and like blending that even more is not a bad thing. Like I love seeing parks content on Disney plus. It's like my favorite content to consume on there, but it's just not comparable. And that dining plan is probably worth like, I don't know, a grand when they give it away, like the half board plan. And like, how much is Disney plus like 60 pounds for the year or something? I, I don't even know how much it is. That's terrible, isn't it? But I just, I I personally think it's a really bad offer. But yeah, if I'm being honest with you, Tash, I don't think you'll see a lower rate. What I would recommend is I've never done this. So I'm giving advice that I've never followed through, which is always a bit dangerous. But I have heard about people getting last minute rooms on booking.com. The only danger with that is even if it's really cheap, if you book the room through booking.com, you don't get the ticket included. And I think that doing that, it would have to be like a lot, lot cheaper to be cheaper than booking it as a package because obviously you get your tickets for free at Disneyland Paris at the moment. I'm certain that will go soon. Like I bet good money on the fact that we'll be having this conversation in five years time and you'll have to buy your ticket tickets in addition to your hotel. I have no doubt in my mind, but there we are. At the moment, as it stands, as a Disney hotel guest, you do get free entry to the park. So yeah, it would have to be a lot cheaper on booking.com. But I have heard of people that have done that successfully in the past. I've heard of that as well. I think the only time I would ever consider doing something like that is if I was maybe if I was going to France anyway, or I had like a weekend and I was like, oh, maybe we could go to Disney this weekend. But I think because we're going for a special occasion, yeah. I want to see it and I'd rather pay a bit more money for that yeah. to be happening. Yeah. And annual pass holders as well are the other people that do that because obviously for them, there's no benefit in booking it as a package because they don't need the ticket. So I think if I was an annual pass holder, I'd probably do that as well, knowing that I don't really mind which of the hotels I stay at. I'll just see on the day. But yeah, you're right. You want to know what you're going to, what you're paying and so on. Exciting. So Theo's going to have his first trip to Disney. I'm jealous I'm missing it. I'm sure you're going to have an amazing time. I can't wait to hear all about it. Is there anything that you, this is such a loaded question, but whatever, I'm just going to ask it. Is there anything that you might do on this trip because you're going with a child that you've never done before? Oh, interesting question. I mean, it's going to be very different in terms of what we do. Obviously, me and Benji are not going to be going off on like Space Mountain together and things like that. So it will be quite different in that aspect. Um I would really like to do a character dine if the option is available at that point, because that's something that I've only ever done with you. Um, and it's something that I wouldn't do with Benji if it was just us going on our own. But I think for his first birthday, I would really love to do that. So that's definitely something that is on the cards, hopefully. Um, and then there's not really anything else, probably more meet and greets than I would normally do on than just on a trip with myself and Benji. Um, because I feel like, you know, there's not going to be an awful lot of, well, there's not going to be like attractions and loads and loads of stuff that, that Theo can go on. So I feel like it will be a slower pace and it will be more about those meet and greets and things like that. So yeah, they're probably the two things that I wouldn't normally do on a, on a trip. Yeah. So interestingly, I can actually help with this. And you might be thinking, how, Mercedes, you do not have a child. 
I remember going with my sister at that age so clearly and big shout out to Disney historian Bob Sangwell for converting my parents' old Disney VHSs into DVDs so we can actually watch and enjoy our family holidays again, which is amazing. And I'll have to dig this out for you before you go, Tash. It's my sister, age 18 months. She's like walking. But you know when they walk and they look like if they pick up too much speed, they're going to just head plant on the ground. She's like that kind of age. And um, she's got this little bandana on that's about 10 sizes too big. It's adorable. But anyway, um, she, and I know that not all kids are the same, but she was enamored with the characters. There's a video where, oh, it's, I have to show this to you, Tash. And if I can, I'll try and get a clip of it on our socials as well for our listeners, because it is just adorable. We're at Cafe Mickey, rest in peace, doesn't exist anymore. And my cousin, Millie, and myself are either side of this Mickey Mouse high chair. My sister's in the high chair. It feels so funny to say this. She's 21 years old now, 22. And she's like, not even two in this video. And she's sitting at the high chair and Mickey Mouse is behind her. So you've got the cousin and me either side, her in the front, Mickey behind. And you can just hear my mum and dad going, Morgan, 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 this way, this way, this way. And all she wants is Mickey. She's like reaching up with her hands, trying to touch him. She was obsessed with characters. And it was really lovely as well. We stayed at Hotel New York that holiday. And there's a little Roger Rabbit play area, like on the way out of the hotel. My mum used to have to cover my sister's eyes sometimes if we were in a rush so that she didn't see it. Because as soon as she saw it, she wanted to do this like little soft play. And there was one afternoon where we'd had like a bit of a lion. I think we'd had a pool day and we were just like meandering into Disney into the park like later on in the day. And Minnie Mouse was in the soft play. There were no other children. And my sister sat with her for like half an hour just playing. It was one of those moments that you just like, you just don't have words. It's like that doesn't happen. I don't even know if that sort of stuff happens anymore in Chapex Disney, but whatever. This happened in the early noughties. And yeah, I'll have to just dig this out for you, Tash. And I don't know what kind of kid Theo is going to be when he gets there. You don't even know. He might hate it. I'm sure he won't, but he might hate characters. But I think at that age, there are a lot of little children, kind of four and five, that are a bit funny about characters. But I feel like if you break them young enough, like one's a good age because they just want to touch like the textures of the fabric and like the fluff of the fur. Um, and yeah, my sister was just, that was it from that point on, obsessed with characters. And, and so I think character dining is a good thing to do. Yeah, it's funny because I think like kids just aren't really logical at that age. The first time that I went when it was Euro Disney in 1992 when it opened, I was fine with Mickey. I was fine with Pluto. I was terrified of Jiminy Cricket. Why? Like he's a character as well. But it's funny how there was something about him. I don't know, him being green, him being a cricket, who knows, his big eyes. But yeah, there was something about him that terrified me. So I'm really excited to see how Theo is and if he if he loves characters like you say or if he's going to be funny with any of them so again that's kind of a reason not that I'm using him as like a guinea pig and want to see him upset but I'm just intrigued to see how he reacts to them yeah definitely oh I definitely treat my child as a guinea pig like go on off you go um but yeah so that would be really interesting and I'm sure like the parades and things like that I mean from a stimulation perspective there's just so much going on and whatever so now I'm sure sure he's gonna love it so that's very exciting so is that is that it for 2023 that's the big plan I'm guessing so that's the definite one. So the other question I have is on that trip, do I then go for an annual pass? Because I would like to go back again. I definitely would like to go around next Christmas time as well. 
And then I kind of think if it's going to work out more cost effective, then I might just bite the bullet and do it. Then I'm sure we could have a trip together at some point, fingers crossed, hopefully. So I don't know. I'm going to have to address the price and things and see if it's going to be worth it and how many times I'll realistically go. Um, but yeah, so potentially. And then as far as 2023 goes, yeah, that's that's the only kind of concrete trips that I have in mind. Um, and then I've got hopefully a big trip the following year in 2024 because my dad is retiring next year. And for years, my dad has been saying, when I retire, I will take the whole family to Disneyland. And I'm talking Disneyland, California. Those listeners who have been listening for a long time will know that that is my family's favorite park. It's the one that we always went to when I was younger, when everyone was going off to Florida, we were going to California. And he said this at a time when it was just my sister, me and our partners, and now our family has grown. So there are now three children. There's my son, Theo, and then there's my two nieces who are one and a half and six. So yeah, the the trip is ever expanding, but that is the plan for 2024. We're currently deciding when to go because we are limited because my brother-in-law is a teacher, so he can't take time off out of term. So it's either probably going to be the Easter holidays or the end of the summer. Um, But yeah, it's going to fall upon me to basically plan the whole section of that Disney trip. So I'm going to decide how long we go for, where we're going to stay, the itinerary. So I am very, very excited. I've been looking forward to this trip for about five years since he first suggested it. Very exciting. So just to go back a second on the annual pass, I've dilly-dallied with should I get an annual pass, should I not? How many days are you going with Benji and Theo? So I think we're going to do three nights. So so four days, three nights. I think if you do one other trip that year, you'll make your money. But for me personally, when I've thought about an annual pass, I think I need to know that I've got three trips in the bag for for me to justify it. Um, I think with two, especially because you're doing four days, you'll be fine. Obviously, there's different levels as well. So I would say if you're looking at like the cheaper options, just make sure your dates are covered, especially because you mentioned Christmas. I know they like to black out Christmas quite a lot. And so that means you might have to go for a more expensive tier. And then is that going to justify the cost? So I would say if you can definitely commit to three trips in a year it's definitely worth it you're on mat leave at the moment I feel like it's now or never like I've always told myself that if I'm ever on maternity leave that's the time I'm gonna get an annual pass because I'm like we'll just you know one week Chris is at work I'm bored I'll just drive the baby down like that's what I've always had in my head so I feel like you know before before you go back to work obviously you've got more free time and that sort of thing um but yeah so there's a lot of stuff to consider with annual passes as I say the big ones are are you going to get your money's worth I think with a four-day trip and then another trip you probably would but I would always like to have a third just to make sure and then the second thing was the dates just make sure that there are no blackout dates when you want to go and then California super exciting so you said you would be um responsible for the Disney bit where else do you think in California California you'll go as part of that trip So I don't really know at the moment. So the plan is that we will probably all fly out together and do Disney first, and then we'll probably all go off our separate ways. So we've been speaking, Benji and I, about we would like to go back to San Francisco because we haven't done that for years and we've only done that once, or I did it when I was really young as well. Um, Palm Springs as well, I really like, haven't been there for years. 
Um, I don't know, but probably a lot of places along the, um, yeah, along the, the West Coast, I would say that we will probably do, but I don't know, we'll hopefully make it a bit of a road trip, probably throw in Universal as well. Um, I mean, Theo will be three by this point. No, he'll be, yeah, three, no, two. Yeah, he'll be two. So he'll be very young still. Um, so again, he's not really going to get an awful lot from it. So obviously we will need to take that into consideration if we are going to be driving and doing road trips and things like that. So I think it will be the sort of thing that we probably make more of a plan of nearer the time when we know what kind of baby he is or what kind of toddler he is a little bit more. Um, but yeah, there'll definitely be some other places so like thrown into it. I mean, I would love to do some of the national parks, but again, I don't know how that's going to play out with a toddler. I feel like national parks and the toddlers easy. You just stick them in a rucksack and go hiking. They'll be they'll be golden. And um, I would say Universal is probably one that's going to be a challenge. And if you do have a young baby, if you're in Tasha's situation as well, you're planning a, a Disney trip, any of the Disney parks with a young baby, I highly, highly recommend a listen to the Theme Park Trader podcast. Ryan from Theme Park Trader has just got back from Walt Disney World with a toddler, with a two-year-old. And he also took her to Disneyland Paris when she was about 18 months as well. So definitely recommend there's some great anecdotes one of my favorites is the ratatouille ride she refuses to go on it and she goes no naughty man naughty man because she's scared of the chef um that tries to grab you like, i love hearing like kids little stories like that um, and then yeah if you do san francisco tash you can go to the walt disney family museum well, exactly that's what I'm thinking I would love 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 to do that I know you did it on your trip so yeah I really really want to do that so basically just ways to incorporate Disney into every element of my trip possible hey maybe I'll even go to Squaw Valley and do some skiing which I've never ever done before we're not skiers but hey it's got a Disney connection right <laughs> Any tenuous Disney connection will do. Nice. Well, it sounds like, Tash, you're pretty much set, not just for 2023, but beyond 2024 as well. Disney every single year. I mean, I'm I'm very jealous. Yes, well, that is that's what I would like. Disney every year from from now on. I mean, I think because when I was younger, we went to Paris in 1992 when it opened, and then we did California. The first time we went was the year 2000 when I was nine, and then we went kind of every two or three years after that for a period of about eight years, nine years. So yeah, we went, I think we went four times over sort of my teenage years. So my plan is to take Theo as regularly as possible to Disneyland Paris. So every year, every other year, I want him to kind of grow up as that being something that we do sort of as a family very regularly. Um, but obviously we'll have to see on, on those prices and what happens with those hotels. I think you did make a very good point earlier. I think that someone has become CEO of the Walt Disney Company. I'm not sure how much longer we are going to be seeing those free Disney tickets. But uh, hey, let's hope it's uh, they carry on like that for a little while longer yet. So Mercedes, they're my plans. Have you got any plans? Obviously, you've just come back from a very big trip. You also went to Paris earlier this year for your hen party. So are there any trips confirmed or in the pipeline for next year? Well, the long and short of it is no. Um, I had a bit of a realisation on my hen this year. And this potentially is the most privileged thing I've ever said on this podcast. And I'm very aware of that. And I apologise in advance if I offend anybody. Um, I sounded like Nadine Coyle then, if I'm offending anybody. I don't want to offend anyone. I probably just offended more Northern Irish people there with my awful Nadine Coyle accent. But there we go. I realised at the beginning of this year that I need to give Disneyland Paris a little break. Now, I had this realisation when I was about 17. I think my family and I went pretty much every year for a period of kind of five, six years back to back. 
And whilst I love Disneyland and of course I would never turn down a trip and I would love to go every single year, I really felt on my hen this year that there just wasn't anything that was new to me. And whilst I still really enjoyed the trip and obviously the experience of going with people that had never been to Disney and going as my hen weekend, which was amazing. And that, oh, sorry. I just dropped a pen. So whilst the experience of going with people that had never been before and also the fact that it was my hen and that was new as well, you know, they were new things. There was nothing in the park that was new. The parade was not new. The fireworks were not new. There were not any new rides or attractions or anything like that. And I just I just feel whilst I know Avengers Campus is there now, I I don't know. I don't think I'm going to go next year. I think I need a year off of Disneyland Paris. I know that's a very strange thing to say. And you're like, Mercedes, is your head okay? I just feel like I'll appreciate it a lot more if I wait a year or so. So I don't think I'll be going back to Paris next year. I am going to France next year, though I'm going skiing. So maybe I'll, you know, get sucked in on my way home and make a spontaneous trip. I very much doubt it. What I would love to do is actually go to Japan. Um, So my husband and I have spoken about this and I don't know if it'll be 2023, very unlikely, maybe 24, maybe 25, who knows what what the future brings. But the next sort of big holiday that we have, we've agreed, will probably be Japan. And as part of that trip, we would love to pay a visit to Tokyo Disney and of course, Tokyo Disney Sea. But as I say, don't know when that will be. There are no concrete plans. There's a lot of other stuff that we want to do that's not Disney related. So as I say, we're going skiing next year. We really want to do a week in Greece. My husband used to live in Greece, so it would be really nice for us to go together. We really want to go to New York, or at least I do. My husband really wants to go to South Africa. So there's kind of a lot of other stuff. And for us, the Walt Disney World holiday was like a very big bucket list kind of thing that we wanted to do before we have children or any other commitments that sort of thing we wanted like a free adults only Walt Disney World holiday so I'm really glad that we did that so no how boring I have no no Disney plans oh that is a shame but yeah I mean Japan would be a massive one to to do um and then you would only have one more park to do after that which is super exciting so kind of feel like if you're in Japan like can't you just also like take a quick hop over to Hong Kong and do that one as well well I'm gutted so um you you'll know this Tash and anyone who knows me personally will know that a few years ago my sister-in-law was in the Commonwealth Games and it was in Australia I made the decision not to go because we weren't in a financial position, really. We were trying to buy a house and so on. It would have made a really big dent to us financially if we'd both gone. So I was the brave sacrifice, if you will, and said, it's fine, I'll stay behind. But I'm kind of really gutted, um, obviously, that I didn't get to see her in the Commonwealth Games. But also, I think that that would have been a really good time to do a layover at Hong Kong. I can't see us going to Hong Kong on a vacation. Um, I would still really love to go to Australia or New Zealand. So perhaps that would be how I finally get to tick off Hong Kong. Because as I say, I can't imagine that I'll go there just for Hong Kong. Um, Interestingly, I did get a message earlier on Instagram from an account that I won't share the name of saying, hey, I can see that you love Disney. Your recent Disney trip looked amazing. Have you ever done a Disney cruise? And I thought, I know where this is going. I said, no, I have not ever done a Disney cruise. Why do you ask? Oh, well, you absolutely must. We did one this summer. There's so much to do. There's even an adults only area. So she's obviously seen that I don't have children. 
Do you travel a lot? Have you heard of the travel program? It's a subscription-based service that lets you save and earn travel on travel. And I replied, this sounds like a pyramid scheme. She said, that's what I thought too before I joined. But honestly, there's no requirement to sell anything. It's like a Netflix subscription. You're not tied into a... Co- anyway, this goes on. And then she asks me if she can send me a video explaining how it works. And I just replied, no. <laughs> Good. I hate those things. But um, yeah, I mean, you raise another interesting one, Disney Cruises. I mean, obviously, we had that Disney Cruise come to the UK last year. No current plans for it to return anytime soon. I don't know if that's saying a lot. But um, yeah, I guess that would be something that I would potentially consider. I think now having a child, I may be more likely to do something like that. Um, But yeah, it's not in the pipeline for me at the moment. No, I don't think I would ever do a Disney cruise, to be honest with you. Maybe when I'm retired and old, not that your dad or anyone that's retired is old. Like I'm thinking like 80 years old, maybe. I'm just, I'm digging a hole today, aren't I? And I'm really struggling to get out of it. I think for me, yeah, I would be more likely to go back to California than to do a Disney cruise. My husband and I have spoken about recreating our 2019 California trip because we loved it so much. And I feel like now that I've been to California, there are areas that I would prioritize over others. So like I would definitely go back to San Francisco, but wouldn't necessarily go back to LA. Obviously I'd go to Anaheim, but I'm talking about like central downtown LA. I don't think I would go back there. I loved Malibu. So probably spend more time there. Like I think now that I've been, I've got a better idea of which bits I enjoyed and which bits I could probably pass over. So yeah, I think we'd definitely, I think we'd go back to California before we go back or before we did a cruise, I don't think we'll ever do a cruise. And um, yeah, I think well, Disney World realistically, probably not. I definitely not before children. And for me, Walt Disney World, it's the kind of holiday that, you know, I've only been, what, four times and I'm 31. So I absolutely wouldn't take a small child to Walt Disney World. I'd want to wait till they were tall enough to go on the majority of the rides and and old enough to not get really tired and have to go back to the room because I just feel like we were wasting time and money. So I'd want to make sure they were of an age where, you know, early starts and late evenings were going to be okay and that they could hack it. Yeah, I completely agree on that. I did out of interest look at Walt Disney World for for next year just to see what it was. And um, yeah, I could not, there's no way I could justify the price at the moment going with a young child because as you say, it's not going to be the experience that I would want and because it would only be my second time and I feel like I only scratched the surface with it on my first time, I think I would end up getting, not frustrated at, at them, but I think, or him, I think I would get frustrated at myself maybe for making that decision to go at such with him at such a young age because there's loads of stuff that I would want to go off and do and just wouldn't be able to do yeah for sure I think like yeah it sounds selfish right oh you know I needed to go to Walt Disney World before I had children it sounds very like counterintuitive but you're absolutely right Tash there are so many like roller coasters and drinking experiences and late nights and so on that you know it'd be so much fun with teenagers but I don't even have a child. So, you know, I'm looking at 20 years plus probably until I have teenagers, if I ever have teenagers. So that's just, you know, I wasn't waiting 20 years for that. So there we go. That was my decision. So yeah, nothing for 2023. As I say, the only holiday that we have booked right now for the foreseeable is skiing next year, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. I Realistically, what will my next Disney holiday be? Probably will end up being Paris, even though I said I feel like I need a couple of years off. Um, 
But um, yeah, that's it. So really quite boring from me this week. Well, no, but it's always, as, as you say, you've had just had the trip of a lifetime. And again, that's why I did Walt Disney World in 2020, because I wanted to do it before children as well. I mean, hey, you're saying about Disneyland Paris, you need to give it a bit of a wide berth. But, you know, maybe if you came with uh, me and, and a young child, then that might be different enough for you. There we go. To add another layer, seeing it through their eyes. Although it's it's interesting, like I'm very jealous that you're going with a baby. Like I can't wait to see you know, like you say, will he love characters? Will he not like characters? But then I'm kind of like, as much as I'd love to do that, it would be so fun. Do I want to go now with a baby that's not mine? Mm, Interesting. Yeah. I feel like maybe I'd want to wait till I have my own to see it through their eyes. But who knows when that will be? I mean, hey, it may never happen. Who knows? So yeah, we'll just have to, yeah watch this space I guess so the only other thing that I wanted to add to this conversation actually we're talking about Walt Disney World is that I was in a bit of a predicament although I think the predicament has sorted itself out unfortunately much to my dismay and that's the fact that because of Hurricane Ian Disney as an apology gave me a five-day ticket to use at the Walt actually no that's not true I think oh yeah no it was five days a five-day ticket my husband actually has a six-day ticket because he played golf one of the days and didn't use it So here we are sitting on, I've got a five-day ticket, he's got a six-day ticket. So I was like, well, that's a waste. Like, we absolutely have to go back. My husband's refused. He said, you know, I've just got back. It's It's too quick for me. And unfortunately, I can't transfer that ticket to anyone else because they use your fingerprint in order to sort of submit into the park. So I have contacted Disney about this and there's nothing they can do. I think my best shot at this point we'll be seeing if I can get them to extend it for like another year but at the moment these tickets are due to expire in September so I was like really toying with being able to go and being able to make it work like maybe just going for one week staying at like a value resort or whatever but I don't think that I've managed to make it work oh that's so disappointing and I mean I I do get that and I you know for someone like Chris, who's not a big Disney fan, I can understand that it would be too soon for him to go back. And obviously you've got those days, but then you are going to have to pay for flights and hotel and food. So it is going to be a big expense, but there is something really heartbreaking about having a free Disney ticket essentially and not being able to use it. Yeah, it's awful. And I was like, is there anyone that I could convince to come with me just for a week? But then I'm like, well, they're going to have to pay full price. So it's not like really in it for them. But I mean, the cheapest I've managed to get it down to including flights and including um, All Stars resorts. So like All Stars music, All Stars sports, whatever, is £1,000. So if I went in January, it would be £1,000. And that's flying with Virgin as well. And I feel like that's definitely worth it. But I can't go on my own. Yeah, I feel like there's something about, you know, if you're if you're in the country of a park, going to a Disney park on your own is absolutely fine. But going on a flight and doing five whole days on your own, I think that I would find that a bit much. And I love solo Disney trips. Yeah, the other thing that I considered as well was going with my friend Dan. So he's going in May. And he's going with his fiance and like he said, oh, you know, if you could come in May, you could spend a couple of days with us. So I'd be kind of crashing their holiday. So I would have to spend some days on my own. But it would mean that some days I would have people there to spend time with. And again, looking at a Virgin flight at the All Stars um, 
movies, it's like the cheapest I can get it. It's like 1,200. And I'm like, I don't know, 1,200 pounds to go. It's, it's basically still on my own, isn't it? Let's be, let's be honest. I think, yeah, I think the thing for me would be the whole like staying on your own. And I think it'd be different if you were meeting them every day and having dinner with them and stuff. But yeah, I think it's a lot of time spent on your own in, in Disney. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I could be, but I just, I wouldn't ask. Like, I don't want to crash their, their holiday. It just feels, yeah. So I think that I'm probably going to lose the tickets, but as I say, I'm trying everything that I can. I'm asking Disney if there's any way they can extend it because if it was like, you know, they run out September 2024, I might be able to convince my husband to go just for a week. But yeah, I don't know. It's looking as though we will lose those tickets. That is a real, real shame and such a shame that you can't transfer them. But yeah, well, at least we've both got some plans, I guess, kind of in, in the pipeline, you know, not particularly concrete at the moment. But, you know, there's this thing as wickering away, wickering away, wittering away. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. There's things sort of happening away under the surface under the surface we're always thinking about these disney trips i mean i'm always thinking about the next disney trip even if it's going to be in years years to come but yeah so very exciting but we're going to turn it over to you the listeners please do let us know what your plans are for 2023 or for the rest of this year if you have any disney trips coming up or anything to do with disney anything exciting as always you can get in touch with us you can find us on instagram at chat disney or send us a tweet. Our Twitter is at ChatDisneyUK. We are now going to head into the final part of today's episode, a review of the brand new series that's been added to Disney Plus, Zootopia Plus. Well, what are you waiting for? I don't know. Something amazing, I guess. So for those of you that tuned into the episode last week, you'll know that we did a live trailer reaction to the new Zootopia Plus trailer. And... Basically, what we could tell from this trailer is that it's a series of mini stories. I think there's six in total, each one focusing on a minor character from the original Zootopia or Zootropolis movie, depending on what part of the world you're from. And each one is very loosely based on a popular TV show. So, for example, we have the... um, real rodents of Redentia, the real house rodents of Redentia. It's basically the real housewives of Beverly Hills or Orange County or Atlanta or whichever one of those real housewives TV shows you tune into, but it's the little rodents from Redentia. Very, very cute. So that's basically the format. We've got one that's a bit like So You Think You Can Dance. It's, it's a cool concept, basically a parody of reality television. And I have actually watched them now. So I'm here to give you my review. Tash, have you had a chance to watch? I have not, no, but I really like the sound of the concept. And, you know, I'm going to say I, I don't mind about spoilers here. I'm sure there aren't any massive spoilers that you can give. So so go ahead, tell me all about it. Great. I mean, I naturally enjoyed some episodes more than others, like the Real Rodents of Prudentia episode really stuck out for me as one that I found really enjoyable. I loved seeing those characters on screen again, like way more than I thought I would. I'm kind of over the sloths, if I'm being completely honest with you. It feels like that's died a bit of a death now. Like how many times is being really slow funny? And so I found that episode quite painful, if I'm being completely honest with you. And that was the Dinner Rush episode. I think it's actually the last episode. And um, a server is basically trying to get to this gazelle concert as quickly as they can. And of course, the couple that come in to order food are are, are the slow sloths. So yeah, I, I found that one a bit boring. But in terms of like, 
you know, the cheetah, I think it's Officer Clawhauser and the road. Like I absolutely loved seeing all of those characters on my screen again. The animation is really good. It's up there with the original movie. Like honestly, when you think about the kind of series we used to get in the 90s, like the Little Mermaid series and the Aladdin series and the Hercules series and how awful the animation style was in comparison to the actual movies, the classics, you know, this is the same. The parity here is great. So that's really, really good and reassuring to see. There's some gags in there that I'm sure children are going to really enjoy. I'll be honest with you. It's definitely made for children. As an adult, it's not that enjoyable. It's a little bit juvenile. But still, you know, things like The Real Housewives, that wasn't lost on me. And obviously, that's the way that they're making it appeal to adults and parents and older people that are viewing this by linking it loosely to reality TV. So a really cool concept. Would I like to see a season two? Not really. Do I think there'll be a season two? Probably not. But it's entertaining. I think my favorite thing about it was how each story doesn't happen like after the events of Zootopia. It kind of happens within it. So each episode, you see a clip from the original movie. So if we take the real Rodents of Redentia episode, as that was my favorite, we see at the beginning our main character, is it Mimi or Cece, whatever she's called? It's the main girl that's like, oh, thanks, with the hair in the movie, like the main rodent. She, is it, oh, thank you, or something like that, she says to Judy. I can like really visualize it. Um, she is getting married and then partway through she goes to pick up her wedding dress and it's the scene from the movie where the donut's about to crash her as she's just picked up her wedding dress. And so you actually get to see that scene. And then similarly with Clawhauser, he enters the So You Think You Can Prance, I think it's called, competition, which is like a X Factor style audition process, but for dancing. And you get to be uh, Gazelle's backup dancer if you win. And he basically enters this competition with Chief Bogo. And then at the end, spoiler, you find out it was all a dream. And it's that scene where he's sitting at the desk with the app and Gazelle's like, you're a great dancer. And then he walks in on Bogo and Bogo's been playing it as well. And we actually see that happen in the film. So that's my favourite thing about it is how each episode takes place is a little bit like, do you remember that awful Lion King three and a half where (laughs) like Timon and Pumbaa are on these adventures, but they take place within the Lion King. It's a bit, it's a bit like that. Okay. Interesting. So is it worth a watch? I mean, if you've got children, I would say probably ages like five and over um, and not much over primary school. If you've got primary school age children, Yes, it's going to be great. If you don't have children like me, you probably don't need to bother. It's very juvenile. It's for children. Okay, interesting. I might give it a go anyway. I might just watch the road, real rodents of Redentia just to see what, what I think. Um, but yeah, interesting. Cool. Thanks for that. No problem at all. I'm always here to do a bit of market research, you know, on your behalf. Help our listeners navigate what's worth their time and what they can skip. And I'd say this one you probably can skip, but it's cute. It's charming. It's just not, you know. Next thing I'm looking forward to on Disney Plus is Disenchanted. It's not long now. Very excited for Disenchanted. Yeah, I think it's the 24th, isn't it? So yeah, we will of course be talking about that at length, I'm sure, once it is released sure but that's it for now no more things to discuss we will see you on the other side have a great week great weekend enjoy whatever you're up to and we'll see you in the next one bye for now
Bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye.